Welcome to Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And we have a little bit of news here to start the show. Uh, This is going to be our last Canton Bound episode for the next month. Uh, We're still going to be doing two shows a week, uh, but we're we're going to summer school. Uh, We're going to be doing two college-related shows per week uh, with some fun interviews sprinkled into the episodes. Uh, But we really want to help focus and and help you you all keep track of the college news, get you guys prepared for the college side going into your campus, the Canton League. Uh, There are a lot of other great NFL and Dynasty-related podcasts out there to help you leading into the start of the NFL season, like Fantasy Roundtable and the podcasts that are part of the Fantasy Points Media Group. Uh, A ton of great pods over there, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, the Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast. Uh, You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or check out Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Yeah, we're excited, guys. This is the first time anybody's ever been excited about summer school. Woo, summer school. <laughs> this Woo. is the first time I've ever been to summer school. I was a yeah, good student. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. You keep telling everybody that, Colin. I was a good um, student. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> As we just pre-show talk about how I got a C-plus in typing <laughs> in middle school. That's not a thinking class. That's a doing class, though. So. <laughs> Obviously, I wouldn't be as good at that one. Uh, yeah, no, we're just we're, there's going to be an interview in each episode, guys, from a Debbie or a CFF person. We really just want to help you nail down last minute drafting, last minute strategy, or there's some waiver ads I want to make before the year. We want to help all of you guys figure that stuff out. So that's why we're doing this. Yeah, and there's a lot of like news that breaks during the college uh, during the you know lead into the college season a lot of great training camp battles going on out there there's going to be players that emerge out of nowhere um, sometimes freshmen you know like last year Troy O'Meary was looking like he was going to take the world by storm and then he ends up getting hurt so it obviously didn't happen but uh, you know we would have been on that we would have been letting you guys know he was looking like a breakout star and then we also would have let you know that the injury occurred um, you know, we'll keep track of injuries for everybody, for you guys there as well. So we just want to keep bringing the college news to you guys. Cause, uh, you know, that's one of the things that we're most passionate about. I mean, I know I am, I know Austin is as well. Yeah. Yeah. Love my college football and, um, not that many places other to find this info. So, you know, we figure it'll be our little gift to you guys for putting up with us every week twice. Christmas in July, man. There you go. I, I love going to bars when they have Christmas in July. I do too. Yeah, yeah that's one of my favorite things. Yeah, get drunk yeah. on Christmas beer when it's ninety-five degrees out. Mm, <laughs> nothing beats that. Get those Ooh. mad elves. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we'll jump into the uh, into the pod here um, with some NFL-related news. Um, and during the um, you know during during the shows, we'll probably you know highlight any major. NFL news as well and and just touch on anything that happens like Cam Akers tearing his ACL unfortunately. No, 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 no. You're you're half a leg off. Achilles. Oh, it's Achilles. It's Achilles. Right, right. Yes. Uh which is worse. Um that that's, is worse. Yeah, that's that's why I, yeah, yeah. Thanks for catching it. that on thanks yeah. for catching that on the show sheet by yeah. the way. 
Um, I, but, I already have enough jobs around here. I can't keep track of your show sheet too. <laughs> I thought you were. I thought you were considered my babysitter. You're right. You're I thought right. you were the. I thought you were the Rick to my Morty. I, I failed. I failed. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, Cam Akers tears his Achilles. Um. Obviously, a much worse injury there. Uh, you know, we have. There's been a lot of uh, people, you know, throwing some stats out there on Twitter, showing some of the sample sizes of and some of the cases of other running backs that have torn their Achilles and what they've done coming back. And it does not look particularly good. Uh, granted, again, small sample size, but none of the backs really returned to what they were pre-injury. Um, with the Achilles, you know, you get a lot of power and a lot of your explosion um, from your Achilles, uh, from your calf muscles. And, you know, that goes all the way down into the into the bottom of the chain, into your feet there as well. But the Achilles injuries really saps your explosiveness. Um, you know, we, we see very few people come back from this. So to to like I said, to the level that they were before. So, uh, Austin, what is your thought on Akers future here? I, I, I don't think he's a buy and I don't think he's a sell either. I, tr- I truly think he's a hold. I don't give that answer very often. Usually I'm pretty, you know, he's gone or I want to buy him. I really do think he's a hold. I, I don't think we have enough data to say anything conclusive about returns from Achilles injuries. As Chris Moxley has said, basically, I think he just has like a, a copy pasted, like just this, this sentence. It's like, you know, <laughs> that he's been posting in the discord and like the, the slack behind the scenes for us here at Campus to Canton. We have never seen a high-end young running back with this injury. You know, we've had some guys that were okay, you know, the Dante Foremans of the world, the Marlon Max of the world, the Mikel Shores, who I did like Mikel Shore. I, I don't think he was necessarily a you know a Cam Akers level athlete. So we don't we don't necessarily have enough data. The science is always improving. Twenty years ago an ACL was a death knell, and now nobody cares about it really in the long term. So the Achilles probably isn't there yet, but uh, I'm withholding judgment on that. The thing is, I think like if if you have him, do you want to sell him on the cheap? I would ra- like, I, instead of getting a second back, I would rather hope that he comes back and does something. That's not. I don't think it's smart to deal him for that. But no one's going to pay a first, really. They might even they might pay like a very late 22 first or something. But it, I, I think a hold is the best way to go there. Um, what would you trade him for in a C2C? Like, what would you be trying to get for him if, if you, somebody had just opened their college roster to you and said, you know, let, let's make a deal? Man, that's a tough one because he is already so young. Like you said, I think he's, what, 21, 22. He, he was young coming out. He was one of the younger yeah. guys in the class. So, yeah, I don't think he's any older than 22. Yeah, so pretty sure he's 22. There's college backs who are 22, you know, who I like far less than Acres. Um, so that one is, that one's, that one's a pretty tough one to be honest. I think, like you said, he's a hold for me, but you know, for the sake of the segment and for the sake of the question there, I would probably be looking at a running back that, you know, not in like that elite tier of guys, not the, obviously you're not going to get the Bajans, the Jameer Gibbs, the Brees Hall. I'd probably be looking for somebody in that next tier down. Um, somebody in the Zach Evans ish range. And then, you know, it's another s- small piece on top of it. Um, just cause I'm not as sold on Zach Evans yet. I need to see a full year this year and I need to see him bulk up a little bit more. Um, you know, he was what 195, I think is what he was listed at. So 
I need to see him bulk up a little bit more, but that type of a piece and then another small piece on top. Yeah, I, I don't know what the value on him is. I, it's it's totally league dependent. Mm-hmm. We've had some people in the Discord asking different trades, and it's it's totally league dependent. So I I would not feel comfortable giving anybody trade advice on that. I mean, obviously I'm going to shoot for the stars, but uh, it's it's just such a tough situation. You got to feel really really bad for him. You know, I know that I I like so I've been saying all like I like Cam Akers, and I've always liked Cam Akers. I thought we had to pump the brakes on him a little bit coming into this year. But obviously, this is like this just sucks for everybody. It sucks for the Rams. Sucks for him. Um, so, I would like to see him come back. But um, in the meantime, Daryl Henderson season. Um, yes and no. Um, I think that they. I know they've come out and they've said that um, they they're not going to add a back or they're not. They're not looking at adding a back right now. Um, you know, they, they like the guys they have on the roster, but behind Daryl Henderson, they have um what Xavier Jones, they have Jake Funk. Can't stop the funk. <laughs> they got Jake can't uh, stop the funk. Uh. Uh, <laughs> um so they don't really have anybody there behind them. And there's a lot of veterans out there that are, have had good, long, productive careers that are still looking to play, you know, Le'Veon Bell, uh, LaShawn McCoy, Adrian Peterson recently said he's not quite ready to hang it up yet. Um, so I think that they are still going to bring somebody in. I don't know necessarily who it's going to be, and I don't necessarily know how much I'm going to love whoever they bring in. Um, it's going to really depend on who that is, but I, I feel like the Rams have a really good running offense, like, you know, year in and year out. Um, FFB uh, Victoria on Twitter um, posted a really good tweet and a really good graphic about you know the running the teams that have had like the most running uh backs with most games with running backs with 20 plus carries got that out um and the rams were in the top five at that so they feed running backs and they tend to feed kind of one guy now that was skewed a little bit because it was from 2017 to 2020 and they had Gurley in there but i still think they're gonna feed one guy i think that's probably gonna be henderson but I don't feel super confident in that. That situation just screams a signing of some kind. Mm-hmm. Whether you know somebody gets cut at the, the the deadlines, one of the roster cutdowns, or you know Adrian Peterson. I think he owes a lot of people a lot of money, so he'll play until <laughs> he's eighty if you let him. Um, isn't he broke? I thought I remember hearing that like a couple years ago that he like had no money. That would that would not surprise me. Yeah. Um, so it, I, it, 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 the situation to me, honestly, and I'm, I'm not going to go as so far to predict this or anything, but just screams Le'Veon Bell to me. Yeah. Or, you know, something like that. Uh, so it, it would not shock me if some sort of other move is made there. Henderson, I don't know if he's a bell cow guy, you know, he's not small, but I don't think they viewed him as the guy that would take all those carries on. No. So... I still think he has a, even if they bring in a Le'Veon Bell, he still has a role. 
in order to go back to what the role that was before, you know, 40% of the touches or whatever, um, you know, a lot of work in the passing game. I, he's still worth something. I, I saw that his, his, and I know best ball and like all, like these are all different ADPs. And I'm talking about a player and someone cites a best ball ADP, like the, the, <laughs> um, the underdog. I'm like, please shut the fuck up. Cause that's not what I'm talking about at all. They're totally different games. But I saw that his best ball ADP on underdog went from like 120 to like 50 in the span of a day that's well i can't get anybody to buy him like that in a dynasty league so that there are two yeah. separate games obviously here um so i don't know i'm trying to sell daryl henderson wherever i have him i have him in a couple of leagues like three or four I, I the problem with him is i feel like people don't want to buy him yet until they have an injury but now i'm worried that they're going to sign somebody else like I, I don't know what kind of deal i end up striking to get rid of him but i'm just trying to get rid of him wherever i can yeah this is the exact situation that you just take whatever value you can get um you know it's a situation that like and it's obviously it's not the exact same situation but it's similar to like a james robinson where you were kind of playing with house money a little bit like whatever you got him for you can sell him for more now and maybe he turns into something but you're more often than not those types of situations where somebody just all of a sudden increases their value like that out of nowhere from, you know, a late round guy in Henderson's situation, undrafted in Robinson's situation. Now, all of a sudden, they're leaping up into the early, you know, back half of the early round. So like rounds five, six, somewhere in that range, even four. Those guys tend to be... um Oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not a Trojan horse. It's like a mirage kind of a thing. I don't know exactly what the metaphor I was going for there, but they tend to be like a mirage. They're too good to be true. Sell them. You're going to make out better more often than not. And he's absolutely a sell for me as well. I still have no idea what you were talking about. I'm sitting I'm not- here trying to think <laughs> of it. I don't know. It'll, it'll hit me like I'll be laying in bed at like 1230. And I'll be like, ah, that's what I meant. Why do I get the feeling that that happens to you a lot with things? It does. Yeah, it really does. It It keeps me up at night. It keeps me up at night. I'm like, idiot. Why did you not come up with that on the show? Now you sound like a dumb dumb. That's okay. I appreciate you sounding like a dumb dumb. I know you do. Makes me seem smarter. (laughs) I know. I know. That's one thing. Like everybody, everybody's like, oh, Debbie Dietz is one of the the smartest guys in the industry. But that's because you're, you know, comparing yourself to me on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I I keep a very uh, specific group around me. for a reason no matt matt and felix don't listen to this don't like chris chris alfred no, none of you guys so don't listen to this one love you guys yeah, i love how you left off jarek because jarek <laughs> shit well no one thinks that i'm smarter than Jarek. no that's what i'm it. saying yeah. that's what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> um so if the rams do add a Le'Veon bell or a veteran rb is that somebody you're interested in Yeah, probably uh, for the, I mean, don't we just want as many running backs that are going to get touches as we can and kind of try to figure it out later? Yeah, that's, I mean, my, that's my approach. Yeah, which sounds stupid because now I'm sitting here <laughs> advocating selling Daryl Henderson, but uh, it is for a slightly different reason. Yeah, I think it's as many running backs like that you can get your hands on. So yes, I um, I would advocate, you know, if you're in a startup right now and you're in the 25th round, Le'Veon, but I haven't really been seeing Bell go at all. So like just toss a, you know, whatever out and see what you can get. 
um, you, you might be surprised as to what happens this year. Yeah, um, I I agree, completely agree with that approach where you just kind of take as many running backs as you can late that may get touches. Like that's how I've ended up with a, a good amount of shares of Darrell Henderson, actually. And then also guys like um, Tony Pollard are guys I end up with a lot. Uh, Darrington Evans is another guy I end up with a lot, which that's a guy that you highlighted on one of our other shows. Um, you know, Alexander Madison's, um, those types of guys. I try to take those guys as, as often as possible. And then like I'm going to try to do with Henderson, flip them, you know, right away as soon as they get some sort of value. Because too often that value just craters then. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, but we'll move into other news here. Um, and that is the Broncos QB battle could quote, take all three preseason games to decide. Um, Vic Fangio, you know, noted that it was too early to make any assumptions. Um, and then NFL networks, James Paul, James Palmer said he believes that the Broncos or said that the Broncos believe that two to 3% of their QB assessment has taken place to this point. Wait, wait, wait. Can you repeat that sentence? <laughs> NFL networks, James Palmer noted Monday on NFL. Now that the Broncos believe just two to 3% of their QB assessment has taken place. Two to three percent. I'm sorry to cut into your lead in here. No, 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 you're good. But holy shit, they'd only done two to three percent and they didn't draft Justin Fields. Yeah. What are you doing? You didn't trade for Aaron Rodgers. What are you doing? Oh my I, oh, god. I, I completely agree. Um, and I think this is a good time to put my my note here. Um, mention my note here. Sorry, Matt Fox. Um, you know, Matt Fox is one of the uh, our contributors over at the site. He's basically our entire NFL content. Big Broncos fan. I know he gets upset when you talk about Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos QB situation. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Like I, I, if they believe that that little of a percent has of their evaluation has taken place, like what else were you doing all off season? If, the, if this was, if, if they were doctors and this was surgery, that's a fucking malpractice. <laughs> suit waiting to happen. Two to 3%. You've had two years with drew lock. He's missed some games, but Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater is not a rookie. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater has been in the league for what? Seven years. Uh, and, uh, two to 3%. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my yeah, this, God. This is his seventh year in the league. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. I was blown away by that as well. Like that's something that stood out to me. And this is coming directly from an article on NFL.com. Um, that, that, that quote, but, yeah, I feel like the point that I think they're trying to make is they still have a long way to go, and this QB battle is going to likely last all the way up until the very last moment. Um, so it, are you interested in either of these two QBs at their current value? Locke is kind of intriguing uh, just he's because he's so cheap. But he's no worse than Daniel Jones, and people seem to have the weirdest thing for Daniel Jones this offseason. There, they have, they both have the same chance to be a starter in twenty twenty two. It's like a ten percent chance. <laughs> but I don't like. There's Daniel Jones runs a little bit better, but the, the supporting cast around Drew Locke is significantly better. Yeah. So I, I that's um, I'm sorry. I'm still sitting on this two to three percent thing, and I'm just like. <laughs> 
the that's that's like the stupidest thing i've ever heard in my life like <laughs> oh my god and they, they it's a loaded quarterback draft and i i just feel like we're gonna look back on this in a few years because i i don't necessarily agree with people that say that the broncos roster is a super bowl contender that just doesn't have like the quarterback to get it there i don't think they're quite at that level but you do have mike munchak there so that offensive line is you know not good and is never going to be terrible while he's there as as he's there for another year or two they'll probably build that up they've got some weapons you know i think their best bet this year is just try to ground and pound i really really do if they think the defense is going to be as good as it as they say it is uh, you know you get von miller back you get a couple other guys back there um healthy along the d line I, you you've got you know run Gordon into the ground and then show Gore and show uh, Javante uh, Williams how how it's done. I think that's what you have to do this offseason. and you hope that you hope that Aaron Rodgers actually holds out or like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the solution is to that problem. You had two you were on a deserted island. Two boats came by, and you just flipped the bird to them both times. <laughs> Because you wanted like the Carnival Cruise ship to come by, because you wanted a daiquiri really bad, and neither of those boats had that had a daiquiri maker. Like, why, 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 why? This whole we're gonna look back at this off this off season for them and just laugh at how incompetent that front office is. Um, I I agree with a lot of what you said there. I think that, um, yeah, they, they had two great chances at a quarterback. I don't think they are a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender simply because the Chiefs are in their division and the Chargers, I think, are, are a, a sleeper team too. Now Chargers are going to Charger. It doesn't seem like it matters who the coach is there. They're just going to collapse at some point. Um, but I still think they're a dangerous team. And then the rest of the AFC is pretty even. Um, you know, I think that the Ravens are a good team with some question marks. I think the Titans are a good team with some question marks. I think the Colts are going to be a very good team this year with some question marks. Same with the Browns. Matt, sorry for listing them. And oh, that was no particular order. Um, but, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, you know, so I, and Miami and Buffalo as well. So I think that the AFC is, is, is very tough. Um, Cause there, I think there are a lot of them are very even. So I don't think they would have been a Super Bowl contender, but I definitely think, they would have been a, um, you know, definitely a playoff team. I think with with the right quarterback there. Now to your ground and pound point, I think that favors Teddy, don't you? With that approach, probably, probably, yeah, um, yeah. No, I I think I would agree with that. Yeah, because Drew Locke is the big arm guy. You know, he's the one who is going to push the ball downfield. Bit of a gunslinger, yeah. You know, he's more likely to make some mistakes. You know, if you just want your quarterback to game manage and you want to ground a pound, I mean, that's Teddy Bridgewater, you know. And they brought him in, you would think they brought him in for a reason. So, you know, I, I think this QB battle leans Teddy Bridgewater, and I think that he's been a pretty good value as well. Um, because last year, I mean, he put up 3,700 yards passing. So fairly solid year, um, 15 touchdowns, which was pretty low. Um, but, you know, I think overall, you know, he, he's a decent quarterback there. He finished um, 
finished the year last year as the QB 19. So he was startable most weeks. I think that situation in Denver is probably going to be fairly similar if he starts there as well. So you're looking at a QB two for you, I think most weeks. I, I don't really feel comfortable projecting either of those quarterbacks, to be honest. I have one drew lock across all of my leagues and I have one Teddy. No, nah, that I trade. I might, I think I might have one Teddy Bridgewater. That's all I've got. I just don't. And, and that makes me wonder for single season stuff. Are we are we overrating the Broncos receiving weapons? Because Teddy did in the produce three one thousand yard receivers last year. I'm pretty sure Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and DJ Moore. I'm pretty sure we're all top twenty four, or if not top twenty four, like top twenty seven or something. Top twenty five. Five, I think. I think DJ Moore was twenty five, if I remember right. Gotcha. Yeah. So I mean, he he did produce them. I, I'm not sure if they'll run quite as much because I, I do think that the Panthers were were forced into a situation there when they lost CMC early in the year and they didn't add you know Mike Davis and that was really it. Um, uh, so do you, are we overrating you know Cortland Sutton for this year or Jerry Judy? Like I know that people have been saying buy those two. Do you actually even wait a little bit longer? I think you wait a little bit longer. That's really tough because I think that if Locke wins the battle. Sutton is the guy that you know you're happy you took him where he's at now like where you're where you're taking him now you would be happy taking Sutton there and I think you'd be disappointed with where you took Judy because like we touched on in the the ADP when we talked about ADP um, and the teammates uh, you know they're they're going like almost back to back so you know I think it really depends on which quarterback wins that battle if it's Teddy B you're happier with Judy and I think Sutton disappoints and I think we're overrating him. If it's Locke, I think Sutton's a better off and I think Judy disappoints and we're kind of overrating him. So I think it's, that was kind of a half-assed answer, but you know, I, I think one of them is going to be overrated. Well, there's no real answer to that question. So um, <laughs> your answer is as good as any, you didn't say that I've, I've assessed two to 3% of the situation. So Damn it's already, it, I it's already said that. at minimum the second worst answer I've heard today to this question. <laughs> And I actually asked an intern something and they gave me a really stupid answer today at work. So that was at worst the third <laughs> worst answer I've heard given to me today. So they let you in charge of interns? I'm in charge of interns this summer. Oh boy. I actually they, we I have to assess them this the end of this week. That's my I picture you like Dwight. <laughs> Pretty much. One of you will have a long successful career. It's like one of you will make a living, nothing more, nothing less. And one of you will make an excellent mother. <laughs> one girl is just like huh? <laughs> sorry i want i pretty much have the entire office memorized you can you can lay out any sort of situation i'll be like oh yeah it's like when michael scott said this <laughs> so um but okay so we'll move into the next news um here and that's the the last little bit of news here and that is um herb smith went on um the uh what was the name of the good morning football um on nfl network I uh, did an interview on there, and he says he has very high expectations for himself. Uh, he doesn't want to put an exact number out there, and then did. He said, I'm going to score 15 touchdowns. Um, oh, he says he doesn't want to put an exact number like I'm going to score 15 touchdowns. But um, he does. He said he does think he is going to soar past the 900-yard mark. So he thinks he's going to put up like 900 yards, thinks he's going to put up 15 touchdowns. He thinks he's going to have a big year. Do we think he's going to have a big year? No. 
And I could totally see his career being the Greg Olson trajectory where the first team he's on just doesn't use him correctly at all. Um, and then he goes somewhere else and has kind of a resurgence. If you look at just, you know, since he's been on the team the past two years, and yes, I get that they lose Kyle Rudolph, but they, they last year, 2020, they had 106 targets to tight ends. And the year before that, they had 105. They've been fairly consistent. Everything else stays the same there except for Rudolph leaving. Uh, and they still have Conklin there. So I think that those two guys are kind of going to split those targets. And there's not a lot of other targets to go around. You know, they Jefferson got 125 last year. It wouldn't shock me if he got a little more than that. Obviously, everybody's going to get more than that because there's 17 games. But right. on a per-game basis, it would not shock me if Jefferson got more targets than that. Thielen got 108. I think that'll stay consistent, if not slightly uh, slightly go up. Dalvin got 44 targets last year, and that actually su- surprised me. That was a little lower than I thought. Like I thought he was a 60 to 75 target kind of guy. So I, I'm just not sure where the targets come from in an offense that they refuse to really move into the 21st century, where you know they're running, you know, a lot of you know two tight end sets, you know, two basically only two wide receivers ever on the field. It's really a lot of um, tight end first, right? 21 personnel. No, that'd be 12. Fuck, 12 personnel. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know where the targets are going to come from, really. Um, so no, I don't think he's gonna. What I mean, what's Kyle Rudolph's best season there? That's a great question. I mean, I know he was fantasy relevant for a couple years there. I know, like people were. You know, they were drafting him as like a tight end, like five or six ish. So holy shit. In 2016, Kyle Rudolph randomly got 132 targets. Is that Ooh. right? Pro, it's pro football reference. I don't know why that wouldn't be right. 132 targets in 2016. This dude was so inefficient that he still only put up eight, 83, <laughs> 840, and seven on that. <laughs> holy crap (laughs) holy crap but then outside of that year you know his targets were you know i'll I'll cut out his rookie year because that i mean so 93 46 34 73 that 132 and then 81 82 48 37 they just they don't target their main guy enough for him for me to feel good about starting Irv Smith and anything short of a start to tight end league. And I think I have one team where he's my backup to Travis Kelsey. So one, <laughs> one week out of the year, I have to start Irv Smith. But again, I don't feel great about that. So no, I don't think he put, I think 900 yards would be a stretch, even though he is a much more dynamic player than Rudolph. And I, the 15 touchdowns is stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, First of all, that the one thirty two, like that's insane. Uh, I, I, what other receivers did they have on that team? I, I feel like that has to be a typo, but it's pro. It's pro football reference. Like I, I trust them implicitly. Trust um, them in my life. So that year, target wise, let me find new targets. Let me sort it. So Ru- Rudolph led the. T- okay, Diggs only played thirteen games. Rudolph led the team in targets. He had one hundred and thirty-two that year. Diggs had one twelve. Thielen had ninety-two. Cordero Patterson had seventy, and then like a hodgepodge of running backs: McKinnon, Asiata, Red Ellison had like uh, forty each. But <laughs> one hundred and thirty-two targets, and he only put up eight hundred and forty yards. Whew. 
Yikes. Um, yeah, so obviously doesn't bode well for him in um, New York now. Uh, I mean, Evan Ingram's there in front of him anyway, but I was pretty out on Kyle Rudolph. Like, I don't think anybody's in on him. But the Irv Smith, I've, and I've seen some people hyping him up as a sleeper, but I do tend to agree with you. I don't think he's gets the looks that he needs to, and I don't think he's going to get enough looks in the red zone either to make up for it. Um, I, I like that Greg Olson comp uh, career arc wise. I like that. Uh, I, th- I think I could definitely see him leaving Minnesota, going somewhere and being a versatile weapon. Um, you know, nothing's really standing out too much off the top of my head, but you know, going somewhere, being a versatile weapon and being having a much better second half of his career than first half. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be Greg Olson all over again. It, 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 that really just would not shock me. So you buying him after this year then maybe? Because I'm pretty sure his contract is up Do, here. Does very, he very ever soon. get cheaper though? Like the people that like him are going to, now it's just, well, mm. now he's on a new team. So there's not going to be a, a time to buy him. Good point. Ever. Someone's always going to be, whoever has him is going to just be. And I loved him as a prospect. Honestly, I really, really liked him. Um, not quite as much as I liked OJ Howard. Mm. Um, so don't come to me for my tight end analysis, apparently. <laughs> but um, I was pretty, I was really high on David and Joku. So, you know, it's it's a tough position. It's a tough position. That's it. We had a huge argument in the Discord today about Michael Mayer and just predicting <laughs> some of these tight ends. It's just, it's difficult. Yeah. Um, and Irv Smith has two years left this year and next year. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, but that'll do it for news here. Uh, we'll move into our uh, main portion of the show here. And since we are going to be doing the summer school after this episode, we wanted to at least highlight um, some pre-training camp battles here that we're going to be watching. Some guys, some situations where it's a little bit ambiguous right now, but somebody could emerge from there and have a, a pretty significant um, fantasy year this year. So I, and training camps have actually started up. Um, Cowboys reported yesterday, Steelers reported today, the Bucks start on Sunday and then everybody else, uh, starts on the 27th. So with training camps kicking off, what is the first battle you're keeping an eye on? Jacksonville backfield is a really interesting one to me. Just because uh, you have people entrenched in the James Robinson is still going to get have a role there, you know, a 50-50 split or something close to that. You have the people saying, well, they wouldn't have taken Travis Etienne in the first if that was still going to be their, their issue. I fall somewhere probably between the two. I think it's going to be really interesting to see exactly what the roles are between the two of them, especially because we've heard all offseason as well that, that LaVisca Chenault is kind of going to be viewed in that way, you know, kind of... Uh, at times, that H backy flex hybrid type role. Um, so, what does that do for? What does that mean for ETN? And then, can you know, uh, on the flip side, then what does that mean for James Robinson? I, I think that triangle of player is just really. Are, are there going to be enough touches to go around to make those three relevant in an offense that I'm just not exactly sure what to expect? And I think, for the record, it could be an awesome offense. 
especially because I, I think they're, they're going to, their defense isn't particularly great. You know, the game script will allow for that. I could also, if you told me at the end of the season, you tell me they're like the 25th ranked offense in the league. I could believe that too. I, I really, that, that offense has more question marks to me than, than most really one of the only ones that I think has more is Miami and Miami wide receivers is my answer when we get to this game <laughs> in a few minutes. So it, it, these offenses where you just have a lot of players and, obviously limited snaps and touches who gets what so jags running backs is the big first one that i'm looking at yeah i think that that's a great call there i think that that is a situation where like you said there's two main camps there i haven't really decided where i I think i'm probably going to fall in the middle in that they both have a role um but you know i think that etn is definitely the more um, explosive, more dynamic player out of the two. So, and and this is the regime that drafted him in the first round. So, if you made me pick one, I would lean ETN. But his price also reflects that. And James Robinson. Now, if unless you're in one of the drafts where with somebody who really believes that he's going to have a significant role this year, he falls pretty late. You know, he falls down into like the Melvin Gordon range. You know, even later than that, sometimes, you know, down in towards like Mike Davis, um, you know, guys in that area. And, you know, I don't feel great about any of those guys. So, yeah, I mean, once it starts to get late enough, you know, I'll take a shot on James Robinson. I don't I don't know if I'd actually would take a shot on James Robinson, to be honest. I think I'm more intrigued by the other two and just. Uh, questioning how much he's going to siphon away from those two, to be honest. I, I don't think I have any interest. I didn't have any interest in James Robinson at any point. If I hadn't grabbed him for free last year, I'm not paying you a first for something you picked off the trash sheet, <laughs> man. That's just not going to happen. And this was exactly why. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I was the very, very much the same way with James Robinson, but I think now at this point, you know, his values low enough that, in a startup, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pick him up um, depending on what round it's in, especially because running back kind of tends to be a wasteland after a certain point. Um, but uh, my training camp battle that I'm keeping an eye on here is uh, the Buccaneers running backs. And the Buccaneers running backs, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, There was that was another situation where last year, um, once Leonard Fournette got added on, you know, that you had two people staunchly in one camp or the other, pretty much, or people just entirely avoiding the situation. Um, and I think that, you know, Ronald Jones had definitely had the better season. Um, but Leonard Fournette also did come in very, very late. It was a COVID year anyway. Um, so I think you can kind of explain away some of the production there with him. I think that it's probably going to be Ronald Jones and his ADP obviously is, it reflects that, you know, his is higher, but this is still something I'm going to keep an eye on here because they did bring Leonard Fournette back, um, which I think that means something. Um, you know, I, I think Leonard Fournette probably could have gone somewhere else and had, a little bit more of a defined role and he chose to stay there. So I do think that means something. 
You know which Tampa running back I want to own this year? Is it neither of them? It's Giovanni Bernard. Oh. Giovanni Bernard is the running back that I want on Tampa this year because those two, barring injury, Rojo and Fournette, are going to duke it out for early down touches all year. You're never going to feel comfortable, barring injury, starting either of those two guys. Would you? Would you? Would you feel comfortable doing that? Um, at this moment in time, no, I would not. I think that at some point during the year, there's definitely a possibility that one of them works themselves into a little bit more of a lead role, and then I might be a little bit more comfortable with it. Uh, also, because Tampa Bay was the tenth pass heaviest team last year, so I think that that you know, and then they bring back everybody on that defense. So I think that that's probably something that's going to, you know, maybe drop a little bit closer to league average. So I think they are going to run it a little bit higher. Of a rate. I don't think they will. Do you have, do you have Tom for two years? You're throwing it, baby. <laughs> you are. Uh, and I, Bernard is going to be startable. He's going to have a floor and anything that has any sort of point per reception value. I think he is a flexible running back this year. Most weeks. I have him like on my Scott Fishbowl team. He's my RB three on that team, and I'm I'm fine with that. Um, I, I just think he's one of those guys that we're sleeping on a little bit, and he's uh, so that that if I have to choose a running back on that team, it's Gio Bernard and not one of the other two. They did bring in Gio Bernard specifically this year as well. I, I do think that I could see him playing a James White esque role for that offense don't think it's going to be as significant as what James White was in New England. But, yeah, I mean, he's definitely the best pass catcher out of the bunch. Uh, Leonard Fournette had that one year um, in Jacksonville, his last year there, where he caught 76 passes. And then the other years, you know, it was a lot more average. You know, he had 36 catches last year, uh, 22 the year before that, 36 as a rookie. Uh, and Ronald Jones has never really been a receiving specialist. Um, you know, he had 28 catches last year, but he also had six drops. Um, you know, he was the he the fourth highest in drop rate amongst running backs. So he's not a particularly reliable pass catcher, and that's exactly what Gio Bernard is. So yeah, I mean, I could see Gio Bernard having that role there as well. Yeah, um, Leonard Fournette's pass catching ability it reminds me a lot of ETN. Like stylistically, Spicy. they're not the same player at all. That's not the comp I'm making. You heard it here first. Travis ETN is the next Leonard Fournette. You can catch a lot of passes and not be a very good pass catcher as a running back, depending on scheme and just situation. And I think that's ETN in a nutshell. So just throwing that out there. No, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with your sentiment there in that you can catch a lot of passes as a running back and not be, a, you know, a good pass catcher. I think that a lot of that depends on the offense that you're in, the quarterback that you have, um, which is one of the reasons why I like to target running backs that are like true passing threats because that gives you a little bit more of a defined role there and you don't have to do as quite as much guesswork on it. Um, but. Anyway, I, I will definitely be keeping an eye on the Tampa Bay running back situation here this offseason. Um, and you already mentioned your wide receivers that you're keeping an eye on, so I'll let you run them with that one. 
yeah, Miami wide receivers. I'm just <clears throat> curious to see exactly what they do with Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller. You've got these two guys that are just dynamic, dynamic athletes. Get them in Can they get them in space? Can they, you know, is that coaching staff going to do the same exact thing that Oakland's coaching staff just did with Henry Ruggs? Where Henry Ruggs is not a deep threat. That was not his game in college. He is a guy that you get his the ball in his hands right around the line of scrimmage, and then you let him do work from there. Waddle is better down the field. You know, I think Waddle is more of a well-rounded player. I think he, but you're wasting him again, like Rugs, by just sending him deep over and over and over again. Um, so I'm hoping that the coaching staff realizes that that they can find the balance between using him and Fuller in the correct way. Um, you know, they, they have Devontae Parker there. And then, you know, they're not wide receivers, but the, the tight ends there. You have Gasecki and you have Hunter Long now. They spent a day two pick on Hunter Long. So, you know, if you want to toss those two in the mix, how does that split shake out? Did they draft Long because they don't love Gasecki and they're, they're you know, it, it's time to move on from him? There's a lot of question marks there for me. And can Tua even have more than one fantasy relevant wide receiver i don't know i don't know so that that offense um I, i'm interested to see exactly how the splits shake out um and what they end up looking like offensively this year yeah i i think the miami wide receivers one of the things that lends in their favor for the most part is they all have pretty clearly defined roles um outside of like the battle between Parker and Preston Williams, although I think mo pretty much expect that to go Parker's way. I'm pouring one out for Preston Williams. Uh, <laughs> I had such high hopes. Um, but yeah, you have one of those two, likely Parker, kind of rolling that X. Um, then you have Will Fuller as that field stretcher. And then you have Jalen Waddle kind of in the slot working underneath, working the shorter stuff. So I think that's something that bodes well for them. I, I think they're all going to be fairly locked into their roles. And then with Tua at quarterback, I think Jalen Waddle is the one that I want. Even though he's a rookie, I think that, one, he already kind of has a little bit of rapport with him. I mean, I think that the whole college wide receiver going to your college quarterback narrative is a little bit overblown. But I think that Jalen Waddle fits well with what Tua likes to do. He said he, he said Mac Jones was better, though. Hmm. Some animosity point. bubbling up there under the surface. That's a good point. Jalen Waddle Ooh. might be lucky if he sees 10, pa 10 passes thrown his way. They're going to show up for the first day, and two is going to run him over with his car. <laughs> and, <laughs> Who's better now? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that's definitely – I want to see who Tua is favoring in that one um, because I do think that that's going to be a fairly – decent offense this year but i do also question whether Tua can support more than one fantasy relevant wide receiver uh, so i think that i'll be very interested to see if jalen waddle is more you know the one that gets more of the targets or if he kind of leans a little bit more on his ex their wide receiver saving grace is going to be the fact that they don't have a guy that would project in my opinion to be a total bell cow running back there right you know, if they had taken Najee harris all of a sudden you're thinking maybe they're going to run the ball quite a bit but they don't really ha even have the stable of backs there. Uh, they still have Lynn Bowden. 
Yes. Lynn Bowden's still like moderately interesting to me. It's just a total end of the bench. Probably I'll be cutting him in the next year, but he Your seems like the kind of guy. Cut guy. Possibly, yes. Uh, he just seems like the kind of guy that that could surprise people there. Yeah. And I don't think he, uh, he definitely did not get a fair shake in Oakland or no. Las Vegas. They, they, saw two to, they saw two to three percent of them and they got rid of them. <laughs> uh, that's actually pretty accurate. That probably was about two to three percent. And then, you know, tough year last year too, going to a new team and in that type of a year. So, yeah, I mean, it's, there's worse dart throws you can make than Lynn Bowden. I'm not ready to give up. <laughs> um, so, the, Wide receiver battle that I'm keeping an eye on is the Steelers wide receiver situation. And this is one where people are really favoring the two guys, the two younger guys. And I say younger in air quotes because Deontay Johnson and Juju are basically the same age. Um, but I, you know, they're, they're, I see a lot of people favoring Deontay and Chase Claypool. And I don't really know if that the production that they saw last year is going to be sustainable long term. I think Juju's a better receiver than both of those guys. But um Pittsburgh also passed at they they had the most pass attempts per game last year. They passed at the second highest rate in the league behind Jacksonville. Um they're the second highest percentage of pass plays and you know i, I don't think that's going to repeat itself you know they they took naji for a reason you know they didn't really have a super reliable running game last year with james connor in and out of the lineup at times you know benny snell is nothing to be inspired by i liked anthony mcfarlane I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think that dream is probably dead. So it led to them funneling a lot of targets to their wide receivers. They, all three of their wide receivers there had over 100 targets. Deontay Johnson led the way with 144. Juju next with 128. Uh, Chase Claypool with 109. Uh, but Juju led the team in catches, you know, 97 catches. So Deontay Johnson saw 144 targets, only caught 88 passes. And another thing that makes me definitely intrigued by this th this wide receiver room is the fact that Pittsburgh also was, despite being so high in pass attempts, was 24th in um, yards per pass attempt. Um, so they were throwing the ball a lot, but a lot of it was short. I think that's likely to continue again this year. But... I don't know how much that I don't know who that favors more out of that room because a lot of those guys can do a lot of different things with the ball. Um, they liked to use Claypool in like some gadgety types of roles around the goal line. I remember seeing them use him on like some sweeps and stuff. Um, you know, Juju's just naturally always been a better over the middle type of a receiver. Deontay Johnson is more of a run after the catch kind of a guy. So I don't know. I, ha I threw all the stats out there and I don't know who it favors. So I want to keep an eye on that and kind of see who's, you know, emerging as a little bit more of the lead guy in that room. Um, I, I think here's, here's a prediction for you. If all of them play, you know, the full season or whatever, Deontay Johnson is the third wide receiver in terms of fantasy points. 
on that team next year because they brought in Matt Canada to be their offensive coordinator. He loves sweeps and motion and, you know, pre-snap and just running lots of different. So I, I think that benefits Claypool a lot. I think he could score double digit touchdowns this year, depending on how prolific that offense is as a whole. Um, I, I don't necessarily have that high of hopes, but <laughs> I, I, the, the, the line is not going to be very good. Uh, but I, I really think it's going to be between Claypool and Juju and then Deontay's third. I think they're all going to score as wide receiver 30 or better. But if I had to put money on it, I would put Deontay as the third. Ben trusts Juju. And this is the thing that any sort of people that just spit out analysis on Twitter on the Steelers don't watch the Steelers 16 games a year like I do. Ben trusts Juju like no other player on that roster. When it is crunch time, we need a big first down or you know just a play. He goes to Juju almost every single time. Ben trusts Juju. Juju is going to get his targets regardless. And I think Claypool. I think Claypool just his his target increases his target share increases a little bit. I think Najee eats into some stuff. So, it, I, yeah, I think they all finish within wide receiver thirty. But I, I think Deontay is the third guy there. I really, really do. He's not a bad player. That doesn't mean that I think he sucks. But uh, and and the thing is, Juju. Even if he leaves, like Kansas City wanted him. Team, mm-hmm. A good team is going to want Juju, and he's going to go somewhere um, where he's going to produce regardless, in my opinion. So um, he's not a one-year thing either. He's a 24 years old. He's been a wide receiver one. And he's been a wide receiver two twice. I don't get the hesitancy at all. Yeah, I love Juju. I have been taking Juju in a lot of places this year. Um, so I'm very happy to hear you say that because I like Juju the most out of that room as well. And I just can't get behind Deontay Johnson either. So Chase Claypool being two, Deontay Johnson being three. Yeah, um, I can get on board with that. Um, But our last segment here we're going to touch on is um, guys that we think are going to break out this year. So, you know, like I said, we're going to be doing more of the summer school stuff. This is going to be our last like NFL heavy show. So we also wanted to touch on guys who we think are going to – take a, a fairly significant jump in value and in production this year. Um, so Austin, I, I like the guy that you have on your list there. One at number one, I don't know how much I think he's going to do this year. Uh, so I'm interested to hear, hear your thoughts on his breakout. So I think we, we you know, you asked me before the show, what are we considering a breakout? And I think that's kind of, not only is that it's kind of a nebulous term, but I think it's also very much relative to the player. You know, uh, Michael Gallup has broken out. That's not my player here. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought about kind of putting Mike, Michael Gallup has broken out technically. He had a thousand yards a couple years ago. But if Amari Cooper's out and he goes for 1,210, that's a breakout. Like that, that's a guy that now you're like, that's like, I'm comfortable starting this dude every week. He's a wide receiver too, moving forward. Like that, that is a breakout. But conversely, you know, if, my guy Rondell Moore here is my first person I have written down here. If Rondell Moore puts up 500 to 600 yards, a handful of touchdowns, and just is being included in what they're doing on offense, and it's obvious that they're trying to you know get him on the field, get the ball in his hands, that's a breakout for him. And that he can break out again the next year if he puts up 1,110. You know, these things are all relative to the player. So uh, Rondell, I, I I think he's clearly. To start the season, probably the wide receiver four, but I think he 
has every chance to usurp Christian Kirk. I'm not even sure AJ Green can stay healthy for an entire year anymore. Um, I was actually surprised when I went looking at at their splits last year. I thought Arizona ran a lot more four wide receiver stuff. They ran three wide receiver sets about 46% of the time, and they ran more wide receivers than that. So four or five, only 18.5%. But that's still, you know, close to 20% of the time that he'll be on the field at minimum. And I, he's the kind of guy that you can, they're not going to have a strong running game in my opinion. So they're going to need kind of some of the short area passing stuff. And he is the guy most well-equipped on that roster to do something in that role. Put him in the slot, run some, you know, some, some bubble screens. You, you, you give him a little bit of option stuff in the middle where, you know, slants, curls, things like that. And I think he can be very productive there. And I think, by the end of the year, he will have cemented himself as the wide receiver three there in an offense that passed the ball the 14th most times per game in the NFL. And like I said, I don't think their rushing game is very good. It wouldn't shock me if that that number increases and they're in the top 10 this year. And again, they use some of that short passing stuff as an extension of the running game, which the Steelers have have also done in the past few years. Right? That would not shock me if Arizona does the same thing. So I Rondell Moore, I think by the end of this year, will go in the same range next year as LaVisca Chenault is going this year with room as we're talking about Visca for growth from there. Yes, I know, Colin, you're looking at me because the guy that you broke down is LaVisca Chenault. So your turn. The hell, bro? I'm He's sorry. The show sheet. Spoilers, spoilers. Yes, spoiler in the show sheet. I don't oh. even get I don't even get to say my piece on on Rondale Moore. You just try to shuffle me right into LaVisca Chenault. I'm sorry. What do you want me to say? No, it's it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Okay. Um, anyway, touching a little bit on Rondale Moore, um, I I like the way you said. You know, it's, it, the breakout's definitely relative to the player. Uh, I think that you know a five hundred to six hundred yard season through the air. I think Rondale Moore is also the type of guy who could put up a hundred to two hundred yards on the ground as well. I think they could get him involved that way. Um, you know, I think that would would that that type of a year would constitute a breakout for him, and I, I could definitely see that happening. Happening. Um, another guy I was considering on the breakout was Christian Kirk, because um, I'm I'm not ready to quit him yet either. So that's what gives me a little bit of hesitation on the Rondale Moore front, um, just because, like you touched on, you know they they do run three wide receiver sets at a high rate. And you th- it feels like they run four wide receiver sets at a higher rate than what they actually do. And they did bring in AJ Green too. It's, it surprised me when I saw it. It was only 18.5%. I don't have, I wonder what it was the year before that. I'll see if I can find that. Um, right. But anyway, we'll move into my guy, LaVisca Chenault. Um, Whoa. Since you're going to talk about LaVisca Chenault? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is um, such a surprise to me. <laughs> um, yeah, so LaVisca Chenault's a guy that I think is going to have a really nice year this year. Um, and a big part, of, I know a lot of people were talking about him early, and then you heard all of that news about um, Travis Etienne and being used as a wide receiver and flexing out and all of this kind of stuff. I, like we talked about before, a little bit earlier even in the show, I, you know, I don't really think he's that type of uh, a player. I don't think he is a very good receiver and you know i may get a lot of crap for that uh because you know people are going to throw some stats out there but you know like you've also mentioned just because you catch a lot of balls doesn't mean you're a good receiver and i don't think he's the type of 
weapon in in an offense that's can be used like that. LaVisca Chenault, however, is a guy that I think can very much be used like that. He is 6'1", 227, so he's got good bulk to him. He's bigger than ETN, you know, uh, but he's got he's got good bulk to him. He was used that way a lot in college at Colorado. I mean, they just kind of used him for everything. Um, you know, he he saw some work last year. Um, you know, he had a couple flashes here and there, but didn't really break out at all last year. Um, according to player profiler, you know, he only had a 70.8% route participation, which is 87th. So he wasn't really running a lot of routes, you know, in the offense. I think that definitely has room to increase. Um, but then also with Urban Meyer's offenses, they get a lot of flack. Um, you know, for his when his time at, at Ohio State, he gets a lot of flack for not really utilizing some of those outright outside receivers, you know, the way that they have been used in the pros. You know, you have guys like Michael Thomas, who Michael Thomas was more productive in, in college than what people tend to remember, you know, because of the success that he had at the NFL level. Um, you know, people and he was kind of a little bit unheralded coming out. People tend to think that, you know, he didn't really do that much in college. He was their leading receiver for, for two years. Um, you know, he he was still very productive. He had 56 catches for 781 yards and nine uh, touchdowns in 2015. Uh, and then 2014, he, my thing is loading slowly here. I don't know if you've been noticing, have I been cutting in and out a little bit? Oh, my video thanks. keeps like kind of freezing. Sorry. Thanks for throwing off the whole vibe of the bad show, radio though, to ask. That. Bad yeah, radio. That, was, that was crap. That was crap. Bad radio. I know. Uh, but 2014, anyway, Michael Thomas had 54, 799 and nine. So he was pretty productive there. But the other players that you were utilized way more in his offense and, and the types of guys that he liked to use were the Curtis Samuels, the Paris Campbells, um, you know, dating back to his Florida days, the Percy Harvins. He likes to utilize that type of a role, and I think that's going to be LaVisca Chenault. Uh, I don't think all that much of DJ Chark. I think he's fine, but I don't think he's an alpha. And I, not, I think that that leaves a lot of room for LaVisca Chenault to just kind of dominate that that room. you know. And I think that he's going to have a really nice year this year. I could see him having, you know, I don't know, maybe... 800 yards receiving and then, you know, 900 yards receiving and then another like two to 300 maybe on the ground. And you're smiling. DJ Chark's not going to be an alpha is such music to my ears because last off season, you told me you were buying DJ Chark everywhere because he had the chance Prove to be it. an, he, Oh, I will find <laughs> messages. I will find messages. <laughs> So just just fun to hear you say that. We'll drop that little nugget here tonight. Um, no, that's, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. But yeah, I mean, I think Lavisca is right on track. You know, not every wide receiver can do Justin Jefferson year one. I think he's more than capable. I, I'm not sure he's a true alpha either, but I think he can be a very high end, you know, wide receiver two on a strong offense. You know, think of Cooper Cup, not stylistically, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. 
yeah yeah I, I you know yeah i was i was on i was on the dj shark bandwagon for a little bit i was drinking the kool-aid there but you know i, I pivoted mm-hmm. pivoted off of that i don't necessarily think he could be an alpha anymore okay all right just, you know we have making, to we have to be bayesian in our approach here just making sure i just you know i, I I'm, re, I'm refreshing your memory no i i remember the rules of civil procedure say i can do that all right get out of here with that lawyer nonsense <laughs> Um, who's your, so proud that I just said that who's your next breakout? Um, so I, I have Justin Fields down and I think we know by now, um, the coaching staff is going to rule with Andy Dalton there. Matt Nagy has said it a couple times, barring injury. He's the guy at week one, the bears though, they have a, a decently difficult opening schedule. You know, it's not murders row the whole way through, but we, they have the Rams, the Bengals, the Browns, the Lions, the Raiders, and the Packers. And then Tampa right after that. And San Francisco and then Pittsburgh. Like that's a tough by week nine, they could realistically be looking at three and six. I think at some point, especially if they haven't already switched to Andy Dalton there, that Nagy is gone. And that they're bringing in a new coach and they're telling the new coach, you're hired if you start Andy or if you start. Justin Fields down the stretch. That's going to be Justin. How Justin Fields gets on the field for the first time. It's going to be very. Uh, the ESPN is going to blow up that week. Like, it's just going to be the storyline. And then I think he's going to deliver. I think there's going to be a, a a slow build, and by the end of the year, he's just going to look like the guy. And Chicago is going to absolutely burn itself to the ground because they've never had a quarterback <laughs> before. Um, <laughs> It's kind of like Philly when they won that Super Bowl and they were punching police horses and like <laughs> climbing telephone poles and eating poop in the streets or whatever they were doing. Like a bunch of weirdos. That's going to be Chicago just because they finally found their quarterback. Because um, they have some weapons there. You know, Fields isn't stepping into a situation where they would bring him in and it's he's throwing to the, you know, he's not Davis Mills who whatever <laughs> I think of Davis Mills, if they toss him out there this year, that is the total like most losingest situation. Yes. I just used a nonsensical word, the losingest situation in NFL history for a first time starting quarterback ever. Chicago has Allen Robinson. They have Darnell Mooney. They've got, you know, whatever you think of David Montgomery, he is a startable NFL running back and is, you know, he can get yardage. They have a solid offensive line there. Um, so they've got some pieces there and I think he elevates that offense as soon as he gets in. It just might not be until week seven or eight and not under the best of circumstances. But I I think by the end of the year, he's the clear QB two, which just goes back into what we were saying earlier in the show with this two to 3% nonsense. And (laughs) Justin Fields is going to do this. And that, I think that, that whole, there's going to be some firing going on there. If, if that scenario plays out and the Broncos aren't like a 12 win team, (laughs) Um, I agree with 99% of what you just said. Um, the only thing I disagree with there is the, uh, the lo- Davis mills losing a situation. Josh Rosen would like a word in, in, in uh, Arizona. You think that was year. worse? It was pretty bad. It that wasn't was- great. They also didn't have a pastor running the front office. So yeah, I don't know. That's- <laughs> um, there, are le- there are levels to these things, Colin. We've talked about this before. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with, with pretty much all of that. I, I think that honestly, it would even surprise me if they are able to keep Justin Fields off the field until week nine, 
you know, I think he gets on the field earlier than that. You know, I, I like Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton is probably probably the best quarterback they've had in, in a while. And, you know, so the, so this isn't a knock on him. I just I think that highly of Justin Fields. I think he's that good. And like you touched on, they have kind of a, a difficult opening schedule. And I could very easily see, you know, Matt Nagy trying to be like, look, look, we drafted the future. He's in. He's in now. You know, um, you, you have to you have to let me you have to let me stick around. We, we just drafted this guy. I took him, um, you know, let me let me develop him. So I could see that kind of a pitch. So I, I think that Justin Fields could see this field even earlier than that. And like you said, he has some good weapons. He has a true alpha in Allen Robinson. I think Darnell Mooney is a very solid number two. Anthony Miller is a solid number three. Um, you know, Tariq Cohen will be back there, give him some dump off options if he needs. So, you know, David Montgomery in the running game. I think that's a decent offense. Um, so yeah, I like Justin Fields as a breakout candidate. Yeah. And you've got a quarterback too here. Yes, I do. Um, my quarterback is Sam Darnold. And I think that Sam Darnold is on, is poised here for a breakout year. Um, he has, not, now he does need to stay healthy because he has not played. He's only played 13 games in his career. He's played 13 his rookie year, 13 his um, second year, and then 12 last year. So he's been banged up a bit off and on. Uh, but he's also only ever thrown for 3,000. He threw for 3,024 yards. Last year he threw for 2,200 yards. Um, so he has he was just stifled by Gase's offense. Um, you know, he would not be the first quarterback to be stifled by a Gase offense. Now he gets to go into Carolina. He goes there with um, uh, Joe Brady, who just pulled a career year out of Teddy Bridgewater in terms of passing yardage. Um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater last year, 3,700 yards, 69.1% completion percentage. Um, you know, t- touchdowns were a little bit low for Teddy, but... You know, that's Teddy's also very conservative by nature, where Sam Darnold is a little bit more aggressive. There's something weird about having this this conversation about an adult man and you just keep saying Teddy. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I'm sorry. It's like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's got the thrills. He's got the thrills for pills. (laughs) Would you like me to call him a Theodore? I just Teddy this, Teddy that. It's like, hmm. It's a little weird. Um Anyway, uh, you know, Teddy had a very nice year last year. Theodore finished 19th as, as the QB 19 last year. Um, you know, so it was a, like we touched on before. It was a respectable finish. And Car- Carolina also has weapons like we talked about before. Now they do uh, with um, we talked about it being a good situation for fields. You know, I think it's similar for Darnold's where they have DJ Moore, who I think is a very reliable option. Um, I, they have Robbie Anderson, somebody who Darnold has worked with before, um, somebody he already has some rapport with, and they bring in Terrence, uh, Terrace Marshall. So I think, you know, that gives them another option on the outside there as well. And they get CMC back, you know? So I think while their pass attempts are likely to probably go down maybe a little bit, um, they were 22nd in the league and pass attempts per game. Um, but they were 15th in pass passing play percentage. So I think that's going to come down a little bit with CMC coming back. 
they'll feed him the rock a little bit more. But Joe Brady does like to push the ball with that offense. You know, he got Theodore, Mr. Conservative, um, to the 11th highest yards per attempt in the league. And I think that Darnold can do that as well. So all of that's kind of building up for a career year here from Sam Darnold. And it's, I think it's make or break for him. Um, you know, he's still very young. He's still only 24. So I think he's, he's in for a prime year here. And I think he's going to do very, very well with Joe Brady. I don't, I don't, uh, have a feeling either way about that situation. I, I really don't. Um, he's another guy that's a hold for me, kind of like Cam Akers. Like I, I'm not buying him. I'm not selling him. He, he's just a hold. Um, because I think by this time next year, he's either if he if he's poor, he's done. Yes, he has to have a good year. That's a lot of pressure. True, um, and I, you know, we anybody who listened to some of our earlier shows knows that I was very much off Sam Darnold as long as he was still in with the Jets. He moves to a new situation here. I think this is a recipe for success for him. But like you said, he has to have success or his career is pretty much done. Yeah, yeah, it's a bummer. But so so the NFL goes. Right. Uh, well, I think that is going to do it here for us tonight. Um, we do have uh, a little bit of news here at the uh, at the end of the show here. You know, we, we announced it on Twitter. We do have two new contributors to the site. Uh, we have Mr. Mike Valerie. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. I never asked him. Um, at <laughs> FF Dirty Mike on Twitter. Um, and we also brought on uh, Brandon Hay of IDP Guys and uh, FF League winners. He's at HayB3 on Twitter as well. Um, two guys that, you know, Brandon, you know, he's been a one of our earliest people in the discord, you know, constantly chopping it up in there. A lot of respect for, for the articles that he wrote for um, IDP guys for FF league winners. Uh, Mike Valerie's a little bit more of a newcomer here, but he's been posting some really, really interesting threads on Twitter. Check those out for sure. If you haven't already. Um, and we have one more that we have not announced. Uh, that is coming very soon. Uh, we will, we will, be announcing that one very very soon but that one's big very excited about that one uh we do also have some very exciting uh projects coming very soon here um stay tuned for those as well uh we teased a little bit on twitter there's going to be another tease coming out here soon and then we're going to drop that announcement um probably next week i think is that right i think i think next week is the plan yes yeah planning to drop the 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 big projects there next week um so lot of new stuff going on over at the site definitely always check those out um i'm really excited about those two projects though but um also over at the site check out the c2c family of pods um debbie debate uh alfred's why wait till sunday and the fantasy roundtable um be sure to keep an eye out for our early week show um campus life uh summer school edition that will also be coming in the uh, midweek there as well like we touched on earlier but as always I am Colin. And this is Austin. And have a good one.